for all things, for all things KC, KC, for everything Chiefs. It's always, it's always game day in Kansas City. Now, here's your host, Kayla Kinnearum and Cody Tapp. Episode two of It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. Cody Tapp, Kayla Kinnearum, Nick Schwartz with you. Of course, just a few more days until the Chiefs actually play a game, Kayla, which means we get our very first, like, Final episode before an actual game week. And in this case, before an actual season, which is exciting. So exciting. You've got your red on. I am currently in Missouri, so I didn't bring a whole lot of clothes with me. I didn't know how long I was going to be gone. I will give, I will Venmo either of you $10 if you can tell me what this is from. I'm wearing a, a shirt with a red logo on it because I don't have anything um, solid red. What are the What are the words It say? says, save the drama for your mama. No, no. That's, I'm, I'm over. There's just no way I'm going to get that right. Uh, if I say that, I'm going to look really stupid. It's going to turn out to be like a Kim Kardashian thing, and I should have known it, and I don't. It's an iconic shirt from an iconic TV show. Think 90s. It's my no favorite show. Uh, we don't know each other at all, so I don't know. 90210? Closer. I'll just tell you. Rachel Green wore it in, like, season 10 of Friends. And the show has been, like, or this shirt has been making the rounds again. I found it on Etsy. It doesn't fit right, but that's what this is from, just so you know. Okay. Well, I've seen you know, the only red I have. So it can't be it can't be all that bad. I've at least seen the show. I'm actually wearing our my Creed is good shirt. Love that. In, okay, in I was gonna say, so is Nick. Oh, so is Nick. Did you guys wearing the text each versions? other? No, no, we're wearing I'm wearing the gray version. He's wearing the official red version. So how do I get this, one? Well, this was the one that we had through the show. I think they were purchasable through Ray Gun, and then those are the ones that Breaking T made after our movement to get all the attention for Creed Humphrey obviously went well that's one of the things we talk about it's like at some point we're gonna have to talk about which rookie to throw our weight behind because we know that that means something in kansas city and there's like nine of them on the roster which says its own separate thing which i guess is it's also why i wish i felt super confident going into the season and to tell you that they're going to win 12 wins which is the lowest number they've had at any point with patrick mahomes but they are starting nine rookies not starting but nine rookies will play and their first Six weeks of the season. As a reminder for people who don't have it memorized like we do, Cardinals, Chargers, Colts, Buccaneers, Raiders, and Bills. So all your... No, no big deal. (laughs) Just your biggest competition in the division, one of the better teams in the NFC last year, an improved Colts team, a team in the Buccaneers that has been around the Super Bowl, then, of course, another team in your division, and the best team in the entire league in the Bills. And I think that that's the part that scares me. When we start going through those parts of their schedule... A lot of this goes down to the same thing you do for any schedule stuff. It's just what number could you accept record-wise that would make you feel like they're still on path to win the division, still on path to go to a Super Bowl, and all those things. I think more often than not, I find myself with the Chiefs saying, well, I'll be happy with four and two, but honestly, I'd probably live with three and three through that stretch. Is it crazy if I say we could go five and one? It's optimistic. I'm very optimistic. I guess where do you see the loss? If you think that if it's five and one bills. Okay. Well, that's a reasonable stance. I don't, I don't have some objection to it. I'm just curious which one it is. Cause then it means you have them beating everyone else. Pretty much Cardinals. Yes. I'm confident about that. Chargers scares me. We lost to them at home last year. One on the road. Um, maybe we can flip that this year or just beat them both times. Um, Colts. I feel confident about that. Bucks don't underestimate Tom Brady's headspace. I don't know if you all have heard the rumors about Trouble in Paradise. Him and Giselle, apparently not on great terms. She peaced to somewhere in South America, Brazil. I don't know. He's done, Kayla. He's done. 
He's got too much going on. He's done. I know it's Brady and we're never supposed to count him out, but they're when you've got trouble in your personal life, I don't know if he's going to be super locked in. Granted, that's he week took, what? Four? He, yeah, but still, Tom Brady is like the epitome of, I will do anything to win. He's been caught cheating a couple of times, deflate, it doesn't matter, always motivated. He's kept himself in incredible shape. Like it's it's uh, like in Kansas City, where I was like Alex Gordon, who didn't eat pizza for 10 years. He would have done, Tom Brady would have done anything to win. And then he was like, guys, I'm going to need 12 days in the middle of training camp, and I'm going to skip all the preseason games. I'm not saying he's wrong to do that, to be with his family. I'm just saying that I think there's probably going to be more than the normal amount of games in which Tom Brady doesn't look like Tom Brady. Of all the six games, that one scares me the second least. The Cardinals game being the first because I don't think they're as good as they were last year. Obviously, I'm worried about any divisional game. The Raiders have probably beaten the Chiefs the most in the Andy Reid era. Mm-hmm. I think the Colts are improved. The, the the Bills are terrifying. Like, honestly, I know the Bucks have gotten the better of them, especially in that Super Bowl game, but I, I worry about them less than about any other opponent on their schedule, not name the Cardinals for week one. Nick, where are you at with these first six weeks? So it, to me, it's less about the opponent and more about when they play them because the huh. Bills are the best team of the six mentioned, but that's also in week six. And I look at the way the Chiefs roster is constructed. You've got a lot of fresh faces on offense in that receiving core. You've got a lot of young guys or even rookies that are being thrust into big roles right away. By week six, maybe some of those growing pains have gone away. But I look at those first three weeks. I, I, I feel the same way you guys do about Arizona, but it's week one. Then the Chargers in week two. That, to me, is the one I'm circling because I think they are in the same category, just in terms of talent as the Chiefs. They got better over the offseason. And early on, I wonder if they're going to be experiencing the same sorts of growing pains that the Chiefs might be. The way the way I look at the Chargers, one, J.C. Jackson not being there, if, if that's the way it works out in week two, that's massive. He's already not playing this week, and then what? I'm expecting him. They're already ruling him out for Sunday. I saw your tweet days, about it. Days ago, right? So then, I mean, what? He's going to turn around and be there in four days? So then the other thing would be like, oh, we're going to count on the pass rush. That's the one thing about the division. They all loaded up on the pass rush. Outside of Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs' single greatest strength is their offensive line. So I'm not so sure that they didn't counteract all of those moves just by being good there. Like, I don't know that just being a good pass rush team is going to be enough to do it. I understand that if you look at the Super Bowl odds, the Chiefs are essentially facing three of the best six teams in the entire NFL to start that year. But there's not, I mean... We know how the NFL works. Somebody in that grouping, honestly, someone in that grouping is going to miss the playoffs. They're not even going to be a playoff team. Cardinals, Chargers, Colts, Bucks, Raiders, Bills. Someone's not going to the postseason in that that group. Maybe two. I think you make an argument that the Raiders might not make it. You can certainly make it. The Colts didn't make it last year. The Cardinals feel like a team right for it. And I just told you my concerns about Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I The six-game stretch is still really hard. But the closer we've gotten to the season – the less I look at the, the Chiefs' entire schedule and become panicked. The division is the really tough part of that challenge. But they have stretches where they're taking on the Texans and the Jags just like anyone else or stretch or Titans, a team that doesn't scare me anymore. Like, I, I don't fear them the way you would have. And I know the Titans have beaten the Chiefs in the regular season. With, we haven't with done Titans well against the Titans but... in recent years, yeah. No, but they're also, I don't know, it, they're not the 27 same. 27-3 to three last year. And that they was are, the last. That was the last game of that slow start for the Chiefs. 
after that, it was sort of the climb back. The turning point. Being the old Chiefs. Like, I don't, and, and that's it. They were just a different team then. They were playing the league's worst defense. They had not figured out the cover two or whatever version of it was going to be. And as much as I said, I think that they might have the best offensive line in the NFL. Last year, none of them had been together. It was a left tackle. They had just gotten via trade. It was a left guard. They had just signed in free agency. It was a center and a right guard. They had just drafted. It was a right tackle who was the only holdover from last year's line. They didn't know each other. Now they've had an entire year playing together. I still think that that's a huge strength. Anytime I'm looking at a schedule and where they mismatch, the good news is for them for the first two weeks, the Cardinals are without key players. The the Chargers could be missing one of their best offseason acquisitions. So if they can get rolling in those first couple of weeks, I guess... I guess I don't overly panic. Their toughest game, as you mentioned, Nick, is in week six. By then, they should have mm-hmm. figured some of that out. The next closest is obviously the Chargers, and the Chargers are dealing with the same problem. They got to come to Arrowhead on a short week, and their first game is against the division. They got a much tougher turnaround than the Chiefs doing that, don't they? Are the Chargers on the road in week one? No, but they're, they're at home, but they're taking on, what is it, the Raiders or Denver? Yeah, okay. I think so it's the Ch- Raiders, I believe. So the Chiefs are going to go Raiders on the road, play in Arizona, fly home Sunday night, and then have, what, one day of rest? How many days yeah. of practice will they get before taking on one of the best teams in the NFL? To me, yeah. it's a chip. Yeah, it, it will be at home. It'll be the home opener, and it'll be on Thursday night, prime time. Like, that building is going to be electric. I wonder about the defense, though. You mentioned the offensive line and all of the structure that you have there in Kansas City that you feel good about. You've got the infrastructure of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. The defense, though, feels, I don't want to say the word flimsy, but there is maybe less knowns on the defense heading into this year. And that that beginning of the schedule, like, say what you want about Arizona, a lot of the questions for them is on the defensive side as well. I wonder how the Chiefs defense is going to hold up going up against some of the best offenses in the NFL to start the season. Kaylor, the only knowns Nick Bolton and Chris Jones. I don't I don't necessarily disagree. I can talk about it in a minute, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that the only you said you're a big Nick Bolton guy. I am. I and we, we love saw Chris what he did Jones last on, year. We love Chris Jones. Show. We have big a fan. very uh tight snow cone uh conversations. But so that's, I, I mean, heard. I, He's my buddy on Twitter. Oh yeah, you and Chris Jones are pals? We're pals. I don't know what that entails. Can you, you get him? Like, can you get him on the show for us, Kayla? I'll reach out and ask. Tell yeah, him the guy, guys. you know me, and then be like, and that guy who gives you snow cones. Or okay. we, we're hosting a podcast together, and we didn't know if you wanted to come on to talk about anything. I mean, it could be about Chiefs, but honestly, if Chris Jones wanted to talk about anything at all, I wouldn't really care. Same. I'm sure he. I'm sure we would learn a lot from Chris. Well, he is their best defensive player, and I refuse to accept anybody who says he's not elite at his position. I still think he's the second best interior defensive lineman. I think the only thing that gives me reservation about what you said about the defense, Nick, is there's a lot of unknown at corner, but I feel like I, I'm supposed to, at this point, just trust that the Chiefs will start good corners. Because I get it. On paper, it's insane. Uh, I got a fourth-year player in LeJarrius Sneed, a third-year player who wasn't starting to start the year in Fenton, three rookies. That's not supposed to work, but I don't know. I, Kayla, I mean, we, I don't know. It's like every year, Brett Veach has something going in the cornerback group, and it always seems to work. Speaking of the defense as a whole, it can't be as bad as the start of last season, right? We think we have those I missing puzzle pieces fixed at this point. 
Um, well, first of which, I expect Chris Jones to be playing at the right position this year. <laughs> right. We did the little no. switcheroo and that fixed I'll, things. That will never not be funny to me how much we all collectively kind of bought into that. We're like, whoa, Chris Jones, defensive <laughs> end. They're going to unlock his full potential. It took like but two How games. are they going to block him? It's impossible. Right. <laughs> that to me is like, Chris Jones, you start right there is one. You have to, I would rather have a solid defense than just like, individual stars surrounded by lesser talent. But Chris Jones, if this defense is going to hold it together those first six weeks, he has to play like a superstar pass rusher. Does he not? Or somebody else has to. I told you, yes. I, you know, I told you a couple days ago and bought into Frank Clark. They're better on the pass rush unit. All we talk about is like they're deeper wide receiver, deeper wide receiver. They didn't even lose top end defensive pass rush talent. They just got deeper. They have the exact same players back. So just assume Chris Jones is the same. He's nine, nine and a half sacks. Frank Clark's the same. He's four and a half sacks. Dana, Turk Warden, all those guys are the same. Well, they added an eight sack guy in Carlos Dunlap, and they added a rookie in the first round in George Karloftis. So they're automatically better. They didn't lose any top end talent. They are identical to last year and then added two better players. So I think that's probably what you mean, or that, I mean, that might be what you're suggesting, Caleb, because like to me, it's, I, I think there's less chance that they'll blow it. I'll never say that they can't be bad for the first six weeks because Spags was essentially admitting they might be. But <laughs> the pass rush is what gives me hope that it'll never be as bleak as it was last year when they not were on pace for. Were the worst defense in NFL history through six weeks. Allowed 32.6 points per game those first five weeks of the season. Oof. Is that it bad? was on pace to be, like in terms of points per game allowed, the Chiefs were tracking towards being one of the worst defenses in NFL history. So I don't think it's possible for them to be worse or even as bad as they were to start last year. I mean, given that, they still finished 17th in points per game, which is, I guess, in its own right, borderline remarkable. But come week 17, there's like this is why they rebuilt it. They could have just brought everyone back and did the same thing and been really bad and then settled in and won a bunch of games. But then they got to the playoffs, and the same things that plagued them week one through six are what almost cost them the Buffalo game, and Gabriel Davis getting 200 yards against them, even though his entire season output was four. And then Jamar Chase eventually cooking them both in the regular season and in the postseason game. Like, they realized that with those veteran players, they eventually stabilized it, but they were going to sink. They were going to sink if they just tried to roll back that safe. If it was Matthew and Sorensen and Neiman and Hitchens and all those guys again. Quick observation about you, Cody. You're a big pass rush guy, huh? Mm. Uh, I would like, okay, so I like <laughs> sacks. I don't so much give a shit about pressures. Those are stupid, and no one should care about those at all because they don't mean anything. I know NFL coaches will tell you something different, but I'm not I'm not pleased that you, like, breathe heavily on the quarterback. Did you bring him down or not? Is <laughs> really the only part of this, Kayla, that I think I care about. I think that you speak for all of us when you say that. Stats are for what? nerds. Good call, Cody. <laughs> yeah, that's totally my stance. The guy who's <laughs> I'm anti-stat. Nah, that's a well-known fact about me. No, Kayla, I just, I think that, like, the Chiefs, the last time the Chiefs had a good defense, like a good defense, like where you're like, wow, look, they're good at defense, was when they had Tom Bahali and Justin Houston and were third in the NFL in sacks and also happened to be third in points per game. I don't think that that's an accident. I think and that if they actually have a pass rush, it matter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I do think they could have an above average pass rush. I don't think it's crazy to say the Chiefs finished 10th or 11th in sacks this year. That's that's not an absurd number to me. And they're going to need that probably to get to those first six weeks of the season because when we're looking at that, that's the most difficult stretch. 
As far as Sunday goes, we haven't talked about the actual game. We've got the Cardinals versus the Chiefs, their first game. I feel weirdly confident that they're going to win this game. Vegas obviously feels similarly because it started at three and a half points and it's all the way to five, five and a half points. Yep. I know that they started slow in that opener against Cleveland last year, but they win all the time in openers against them. And what is it about it? Do I think Cliff Kingsbury has some secret to stop Patrick Mahomes because he coached him in college six years ago? There's just, I I can't be overly concerned about that yet. I totally forgot about that. That's not going to have an effect. And how poetic, you guys, that we're going to start and end the season in Arizona. I love that. Oh, that's, see, I like that thought. (laughs) There's that option. I like Arizona. It's nice. It is nice, especially in February when it's freezing everywhere I mean, you moved to LA, so I guess I just assume you're a warm weather person. I did my time. I lived in Chicago for two years, and that was we were good after that. I was like, I can't live anywhere cold again. Like, Awful, that's it. miserable. What, what I hibernated Missouri? for eight months. Missouri is <laughs> not as cold as Chicago, but yes, it is still cold. We get four seasons. You guys know. I don't have to tell you that. I could. You're yes. describing it like you're describing it to your friend in LA. Hold on, let me break down Missouri for you. <laughs> well, I have not a as cold like you don't live here. <laughs> I have a theory about Kansas slash Missouri. Is I don't think we have four seasons, Kayla. I think we have. Summer and winter, and then we have like two weeks of spring and then two weeks of fall. And it goes from being 98 and muggy to 32 and windy. Sometimes you get all of those in one day. That's true. I still, I will, I will die in the grave that I would rather be 110 degrees than 10. <laughs> Who cares? Really? It's just hot. Yeah, I don't care. And you're a sweater. You're a sweater hot. too, Cody. That's not accurate. I'm not <laughs> even. There are rumors. <laughs> Well, that was one rumor on the show, which I quickly dispelled. We are, okay. uh, no, nah, that's fine. I, I just think that like, if they're going to end up in Arizona, like, and you're right, losing this game would be a very bad thing okay. because all that turnaround we just talked about with the Chargers, that sends people into panic pretty quick. Because if any of these teams, if the Chargers lose to the Raiders and then the Chiefs and start own two, if the Chiefs lose to the Cardinals, a team they're definitively better in, and then do that, then they got a problem. Because the Cardinals are without their number one wide receiver. Hopkins is out. J.J. Watt is questionable, so we don't know if he's going to do it. And it sure seems... And, and look, the the game last year where Mahomes throws that 75-yard touchdown that eventually helps them win the game, they're not going to have that anymore with Tyreek. So they can't start as slow as they did last year. But I just don't... I don't take the Cardinals seriously as a year-in and year-out competition for them and I don't feel like Kyler's whole offseason is leading up to some big MVP season either where he's having to be told in a report that he needs to study I am I don't buy into Kyler at all sorry I did we all watch that playoff game or whatever Ooh, he was so bad in that it game. was I've never seen a game so bad I felt bad for him actually I couldn't believe he had played a whole season in the NFL after watching that well, I felt less bad for him after after he had that performance and then he was like, hey, I'd like some more money. I'm kicking way too much ass here and nobody's paying me like the guy who deserves it because that's what happened. He got out of there and he was like, yeah, I'm going to need a ton of money. Uh, I know my contract's <laughs> in it for a couple of years, but I mean, you see. You see how much I mean to this team. I mean, he's a problem Wild. from the same perspective that running, running quarterbacks. Nick, I, I can't remember what week you and I talked about this, but running quarterbacks massacred the Chiefs last year. They ran for more yardage on average. Even non-running back, running quarterbacks ran for more because their linebackers were slow. I don't think that's a problem anymore, Kayla. Your guy Nick Bolton's fast. Willie Gay's fast. I, they're, 
they're better there. I don't think that running quarterbacks are just going to run rough shot on them the same way they did last year because they are faster on defense. That should be easier to do, I would think. Yeah, I would agree. And I think we'll find out immediately too because what did we hear all of last season when it was Anthony Hitchens and Ben Neiman who were getting all the snaps at linebacker and everybody just wanted to see them turn to the two young guys in Nick Bolton and Willie Gay. And they never went full in on it, right? They were paying Anthony Hitchens to be sort of that veteran in the middle of the defense. They have handed the keys over to these young guys and they're going to be tested right away because say what you will about Kyler, like he is one of the premier athletes at the position and he puts tremendous strain on your defense, especially like getting side to side. And like, that's why I think like the biggest spotlight for me, like, because if I have concerns about the Chiefs defense, which I do at least early on, I'm looking at those two. I'm looking at, Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. in week one to say, let's find out what you guys are made of and if you're really ready for this. Well, I think and Nick Bolton's the leader. I Am I the only one left with hesitation on Willie Gay? If he's not good this year, right, he's not going to get a second contract, then he's done. Or not, or not. I mean, he's fast. I'm not saying that, but he hasn't stayed healthy and he's not doing it all the time. Like, at least with Nick Bolton, I, I'm pretty confident he's the goods. We played one year, and I'm like, man, he'll probably get a contract extension and be in Kansas City for a while. They'll be tested, Nick. You're right. But, I mean, at least the young corners won't be tested. Their best wide receiver is Hollywood Brown. He was McCall Hardman as of a year ago. I know he ended up with 1,000 yards last year, but before that moment, he wasn't better than that. Nick, I didn't get to ask you this on the show Wednesday. Is it hard for you to cheer for Nick? Or do you just leave no. college at at the door here's the thing kayla um since <laughs> Missouri bolted the big 12 uh in, in the middle oh of boy the, here we go this high and dry kansas hasn't exactly is. had you know a winning tradition on the football field i'm aware and <laughs> in that time a lot of kansas fans myself included have developed some indifference towards the program therefore I feel somewhat numb when it comes to the Kansas-Missouri rivalry in football. Now, in basketball, I still harbor the hatred and resentment, but it's tough to be mad at somebody else when you're so angry with your own team, and that is life as a Kansas football fan. That's a great point. I actually I wanted to ask you Wednesday how the game went because I didn't even know KU was still playing football. I literally heard nothing about that game over the weekend. I can't tell if you're (laughs) patronizing me right now. Because they did play a game, and they won by a lot. They won by a lot. Okay, I didn't know. I'm not super locked in on the Big 12 anymore. I do. They hold a special place in my heart, but I'm not looking up the scores. You do realize that this is a a dangerous time for you to talk this amount of trash because they're getting ready to probably lose to K-State, and I don't think Nick (gasps) is going to forget this next week. (laughs) I wasn't going to talk any smack today, but. I I started. I was the instigator. It's fine. Have fun in Manhattan. We'll see. I am nervous about this weekend. What is the is the spread like to six and a half or seven on that? I think it's somewhere I around. Up it's the about a touchdown. Lines, but <clears throat> oh, is it? Touchdowns. I think it's like thirteen. Thirteen? Oh no! I thought so. My... I thought so. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. K State. It does. Yeah. Yeah. K State is a heavy, heavy favorite against your Tigers. Also, you can kiss that over five and a half wins goodbye if they can't get past K-State because they're not winning four games in the SEC, I don't think. Uh, that seems current, line, current line is uh, eight and a half. Eight and a half for eight and a half. Okay. Okay. So a little better yeah. than a touchdown, at least the way I'm they look at it right now. Do we? I like going on as the underdog. 
when we when we look at the Chiefs and what they've kind of got up ahead of them on Sunday, we have seen we know that like uh, they've got a million new players to watch and there's a lot to take in for the Chiefs. I don't think there's anyone I'm more excited about than Juju because I know how important he is. And he said something on Wednesday that I think is very apt and important because he had said I, the single most important thing for him is to prove that I still have it. And I'm like, good, because I'm not sure you do. <laughs> like, I think you probably do. I don't think it's crazy to say that he does. But I think with Juju Smith-Schuster, he hasn't been above 830 yards in years. And I attribute a lot of that to Big Ben being useless for the last couple of years there. But I think Juju Smith-Schuster taking over or being the number one wide receiver is important. And I think it's going to be a big key to teams actually believing that they can still be a threat in the passing game. Because at this point, the way your receivers are designed, the reason why I'm most interested in watching Juju is if he performs well and does the job, then teams actually have to respect it. And it's going to make that let's just play cover too deep all the time stuff go away. I would agree with you. I am very eager to see how he does Sunday. Um, Patrick Mahomes is different than Ben, ben Roethlisberger. So once again, I mentioned it Wednesday. I like that they work together this offseason. There's so many question marks with this team this year that I just I cannot wait for this game to get here because we've been talking about it for so long all summer and everything leading up to this. But yes, Juju, I can see taking over that number one receiver spot. Um, and Cody, we have money on the line. Um, wait. Oh, yeah, on the over. Not he's money, just a bet. I think he's going over 1,000. So I am very much rooting for him because of this bet, and it will help the team ultimately. So 1,000 yards, so we're betting $1,000, Nick. That's that's the bet. 1,000 <laughs> yards for $1,000. Very generous bet by us. We haven't Date. figured out the terms yet. <laughs> I'll be an innocent bystander on that bet. I keep going back and forth with Juju because to Kayla's point, like I can't imagine a wide receiver – going through a bigger quarterback upgrade from one year to the next exactly. than going from Big Ben at age, I believe, 39 oh, to God, Patrick Mahomes, who maybe is in the prime of his career, but you're talking about perhaps the most talented quarterback to ever play the position. So I do have questions about Juju, but ultimately, however, however, like, if I don't think he's the number one quarterback he is going to be as good as he'll ever possibly be in the NFL playing with Patrick Mahomes. And I'm just not sure the last couple of years he had in Pittsburgh, one of which he had Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. Like, let's, let's not forget that two years ago, Juju was catching passes from a guy named Duck. That's why he finished with 97 catches and like 820 yards. You're like, <laughs> we're going to need to run three yard slants. You're like, wait, but aren't they normally seven? Just three's good. We're, <laughs> we're, that's fine. <laughs> We're not, we're not going to test this any further. I think you make a strong argument that you want to watch Karloftis. We, we spent all that time talking yep. about the pass rush. If Karloftis is preseason Karloftis, my expectations for the defense change dramatically. He's the only player, I think, that can change my expectations dramatically. Because Chris Jones, I know there's an up, upper end potential, or Clark, or like I kind of know where their windows are. So like I'm not going to pretend like if Chris Jones got 12 sacks, I think the defense is way different than if I thought he got nine and a half or 10. But if Karloftis really is one of those rare rookies that ended up with seven or eight or nine sacks, then the defense is significantly different because then they have an eight sack guy in Dunlap and Karloftis and a 10 sack guy in Jones. And what if Clark is six sacks, which is not a crazy number. That's what he had two years ago. 
Like you're talking about a top end pass rush unit. I think watching if Karloftis, how they use him one, but then also how effective he is matters because they've got a better road. Like they don't have a deep rotation that Karloftis shouldn't play. The guy who wouldn't play instead of Karloftis right now is Mike Dana, someone who I thought last year might have seven sacks, Nick. And what did he end up with? Two? That was way yeah, off. Yeah, two and a half, three and a half, something like that. Like Karloftis is somebody we have to watch, don't we? I mean, it's not just the the pass rush end of it. He's him and McDuffie and I mean, probably to a point, uh, Brian Cook or Joshua Williams, like the rookies as a unit are, I don't know, they're going to dictate where this team goes over the next couple of years. Like if they really have to reset and then build back up or if they're just the same, but all their players are young now. Who's the pressure on the most, the actual players or Spags? Uh, players, right? I don't know. I, I officially declared Spags unfireable. I don't think that he... <laughs> I don't think he deserves it this year. They just gave him a bunch of rookies and they're like, we know that you like veteran players, but what if everyone was 22 and didn't know the playbook? Yeah, but if you <laughs> logic by that logic, how could you possibly put the pressure on the players? Yeah, that's fair. Okay, well, it is on Spags to dumb it down a little bit. And I think he's doing that. Like, I think that Justin Reed told us that this is the most complicated playbook he's ever been in, Nick. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he should ah. probably simplify it so the players can succeed. Yeah, so it's like there are pressure on certain players. Like there's pressure on Chris Jones. There's pressure on both the linebackers. I, I mean, with uh, Bolton and Gay. I think there's, there's pressure. pressure on McDuffie, though. I mean, he got, he got they traded up for him. He's How a about just overall Reed? pick? What about Justin Reed, a guy you brought in basically to fill the void of Tyron Matthew? Mm-hmm. And all offseason, like if you look at some of the stuff that the Chiefs were doing on social media, the franchise, Instagram – a lot of Justin Reed features. It feels like they've been sort of leading the hype train that this guy is going to be the new leader of the Chiefs defense. With him, I can't decide if he'll be quite as good as Matthew was last year. But the more the more I hear other people talk about Matthew, and I guess this is what I need. I need people outside of Kansas City to tell me. Because everyone in Kansas City has now rewrapped their brain around the idea that Tyron Matthew was no good. He left town and he stunk and it wasn't working anymore. And I'm like, I don't, am I wrong? I, that's not how I remember it going at the end. No, which I makes him. Well, yeah. And I, I think he was a good player, Kayla. I think it makes it very difficult to say that Justin Reed can fulfill that promise. Cause that was the comment he had made to us, Kayla. We had, we had Justin Reed on for an interview on our show in Kansas city. And he had said that he's had now, this would be his fourth defensive coordinator. He had three different ones in Houston wow. because that team's a wreck. And this is the most complicated, by probably double, defense he's ever been in. So, yeah, they're going to put a lot on Justin Reed. And he's going to have to learn it all now because probably the rest of those young players aren't going to do it. So, Justin Reed, outside the problem is because, like, if I ranked the most important players for the Chiefs this year, Nick, I'm going to get through Karloftis and, and, you know, Chris Jones and Clark and so many defensive guys. But if you're just saying the secondary itself, Justin Reed is the, the most important. It's Emerald Legereus need. They can't have him backslide, and Justin Reed needs to be good. But I don't know. I guess I don't worry about the safeties because I feel like they still have two good ones, Kayla. Thornhill and Reed can play. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I agree. We shall I think, see. I mean, do you have more faith? I guess that's what I like. Do you have more faith that the corners will work or the safeties will work? Because that that's really what you're asking yourself. If Justin Reed's that important, I think they'll work, Nick. I think they'll work, Kayla. So I, I guess I don't worry as much about their job, because if anybody's picking on this defense, they're not going to be picking on Justin Reed. They're going to pick on Snead or McDuffie or Williams or Fenton. I feel like yeah, I mean, it's a long yeah, list. McDuffie's, I think I have more faith in the safeties. I agree, because McDuffie, 
I'm not I'm not willing to say that I'm concerned about him, but in terms of expecting that he is going to hit the ground running and look like a legit number one cornerback, there has been no indication from Chiefs training camp that he's going to have that sort of smooth transition into the NFL, which is, it's not concerning, but it's also not what you would expect to say going into a season where you just trade it up in the first round to select a guy. Okay, this is kind of the perfect time since we're talking about the guys to pick on. You mentioned you like Chris Jones. How many sacks do you think he ends up with this year? Because that'll answer the rest of the question for oh who I care the most about. Just just ballpark. He had nine and a half last year. He had eight the year before that. And then, I, you know, it's been obviously several years since he had the 15 and a half, his career high. Is he healthy? Yeah. I mean, we saw him leave the practice field once, but that was a million. I don't know, was like three weeks ago and he's come back. I mean, at the moment, he seems healthy. Let's go with 12. Well, I mean, that seems... Let's raise the bar. Let's be better than last year. He's only had double-digit sacks once, right? But it just was 15 and a half. No, it was a significant jump. I'm just saying, but it's only the once, right? Uh-huh. I but mean, did the beginning like... of the season really count? <laughs> last year? No. Yes. It feels like he's... I mean, he should have had double-digit last year. The fact he ended up with nine and played out of position for six weeks, I don't know. And And this is like, I guess... We always pretend like guys can just do it in a vacuum because Aaron Donald could. You could put like the three of us on a defensive line with Aaron Donald and he'd get quadruple teamed and he would still hit the quarterback sometimes and we would all wonder how it happened. But in Chris Jones's case, it'd be nice. I, I imagine when he was playing defensive end to get help. Do you know, I, you probably don't know this, Kayla. I have, we've, I looked this stat up a couple of weeks ago. Do you know, so Chris Jones led the team with nine sacks. How many sacks do you think was good for second on the team? Oh my gosh. Um, that seems like a reasonable number. I'm guessing the, the number or the player, the either, but both, I guess. In this case, was it Bolton? It wasn't. That's not a bad guess. He had a couple sacks. It was Frank Clark. Frank. Frank. Okay. With four and a half, the saddest second place, maybe That's not great. <laughs> no, it, no. Wow. Okay. So if your second sack guy has four and a half sacks. Uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see if Chris Jones can just return. Cause he had that hand issue all year last year. Yes. Playing that hurt. wasn't like a, that wasn't a one-time thing. I mean, I guess I want to watch Juju and MVS and the wide receivers and see all that, but I don't know. I mean, Patrick Mahomes talk on Wednesday was saying the same things we all say, like, sorry, fantasy football owners, we're going to throw it to everybody. And your guess on who it's going to end up with is as good as mine. Keeping us on our toes should be fun. All right, I have, a, I have a simple question that I think seems, unre- you know, like I think is unreasonable to ask just based on what he's done. Is it fair for a guy who's had six consecutive 1,000-yard seasons to be like, hey, Travis, no big deal, but can we get a little more? Is it reasonable to ask more of Travis Kelsey knowing what we've already gotten, Kayla? Because to me, if, if anybody of those guys falter, McColl, MVS, and Travis Kelsey struggle, then the simple answer will be, hey, Travis, just do more. And I do not think it's reasonable to ask more of him. And maybe you were thinking of it differently. I was. I literally wrote LOL on my notes. <laughs> so, yes, you think it's... <laughs> As you mentioned, six conse- consecutive seasons with over 1,000 yards. Best TE in the league. Um, and it's not even close, in my opinion. 25 career 100-yard receiving games. Two in fran- second in franchise history. Third most in NFL history by a tight end. I think Travis's biggest hurdle this season will be doing better than Travis last year like I think he is his own hurdle does that make sense 
Well, I mean, last year he had 1,125 yards and nine touchdowns. The year before they had 1,400. So by saying he'll do more, you just said it's not unreasonable to be like, give us more yardage output like you did two years ago or just in general what he does for this team. Because if you look at it as an aggregate, it's about the same. 95 catches, 1,200 yards, and eight touchdowns. Right. He's been very consistent. Um, I, I, I don't want to ask more of him. I think he's doing a great job. <laughs> Chief, well, I keep don't... doing what you're doing is what I would say. Yeah, I think that that's a fair stance. Saying, hey, we need more out of you seems unreasonable. Also, is he going to get the most double teams in the NFL this year? Like, I'm, de- oh I'm gosh, dead serious. Like, until, in, until the, well, until the Chiefs prove they can throw to somebody else, who would you, I mean. Okay, so I you- want to push back on that a little bit. Because it's not as though teams were not double teaming him routinely last year. The only like the only difference, if you want to say there is one, is that now they don't have to choose between double teaming Tyreek or double teaming Tyreek. But we saw teams do both. Like we saw teams yeah, successfully try to try to bracket both of those guys. So I just wonder, like, how much more is there that opposing defenses can do to try and game plan this guy out? Because as Kayla laid out, been doing it for six consecutive seasons. D coordinators have had six years to figure out how to slow him down and nobody has found an answer. It's true. Uh, yeah. If you haven't figured it out now, will you ever? Probably not. I'm also on stance, Kayla, that I don't think anybody should be ageist against Travis Kelsey and that he'll just play like a 25 year old tight end forever. I can't believe he's going into his 10th season. He started late though. Like what's crazy is like, he's his age and only in his 10th season. We looked this up. Tony G had played like, 60 games before he was Travis Kelsey's age. It wasn't even, that's why I think he won't like, he doesn't have the mileage on his body. And also do you ever like you watch all the games the same as we do. We all do. Right. But Oh yeah. I don't ever see Travis Kelsey take that big of a beating. Otherwise, why would he be available all the time? George Kittle was hurt yesterday. Like, whoa, did not practice. We're a little bit worried about it. Travis Kelsey doesn't ever miss games unless the chiefs have locked everything up in week 17. You don't think he takes a beating? No, not by not by normal tight end standards. They don't ask him to block as much. He's good about not getting... Some guys are just better about not getting hit quite as hard. Like Christian McCaffrey's a great back, but he'll take some hits that I'm like, Jesus, man, how did you let that happen to yourself? Tyreek was pretty good about it too. Tyreek wouldn't take some big, massive shots for a guy who went over the middle all the time. Some guys are just better about avoiding it. I think Kelsey's a little better about avoiding it. That or he's just one of those luckiest guys in NFL history because he never gets hurt. His size probably has something to do with that. Yeah, but I mean, there's some other guys who are his size, right? It's like they he also miss games. He's almost slippery with the yes. way he runs. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it is innate, if it is something that he consciously does, but like you see these tight ends that are 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, they're big. They're lumbering down the field. You know, big tree fall hard. Gronk. Gronk. Gronk right. got hit hard all the time. It, it was like a massive collision and just limbs are, and elbows are flying everywhere where Kelsey sort of just seems to shrink and, and doesn't ever absorb those. You know, like how many times do you watch a game, Kayla, where Kelsey gets hit and you go, oh, like waiting for him to get up, make sure everything's okay. He doesn't seem to take those big high impact collisions. Pops right up. Yeah. So maybe maybe there is. Maybe he you, does have some to live. The shrinking thing is true. He always kind of like holds the ball and like gets down quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looks like they're just like nestling him down to the ground. Like take him to the hip and be like, I'll set you down here if that's 
That's kind of, I mean, I don't, he does it a little bit different than most players. Thank you, NFL, for being gentle with our tight end. Maybe he's just good at avoiding it. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but I I still wouldn't say that it's reasonable to do it. All right, we've, we've got a few minutes left in the podcast. Obviously, this is the Friday podcast heading into the Sunday game, which means we have to make predictions. Nick is pretty notorious for not making predictions on our show for win totals for the Chiefs. That's so unfair. let's hope. Is that a superstitious thing or? No, I think he just no. likes to not give an answer. He says it's yeah, too tough. It's, it's funny. I think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if he's actually willing to give one, Caleb. But so there's two things we got to figure out. Yep. If we think the Chiefs are going to win and by what score on Friday mm-hmm. and what we think their final record and where the Chiefs end up at the end of the year. Because we never allow people to be like, well, I thought they were going to win the Super Bowl and you never said that on the air before the season started. We accept, yeah, you can alter your pick later. But, I mean, I'm just saying from the sta- from the start, you'd like to be that. I think they will win 12 games. They've never lost more than that. I don't care how tough the division is. And all the people will be like, I'd take 11. Screw that. If they offered me 11, I'd pass. Because the Chiefs are supposed to be better than 11 wins. I think they're a 12-win team. I think they will win their division again. But I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. And maybe <gasps> that's... Look... I, what am I supposed to just <laughs> say it to say it because it's a new cheese podcast? Like, do I, I don't believe I will. it. They have the youngest defense in the NFL. They have unproven weapons at wide receiver. They're great. They'll win a lot of games. They'll win the division, but I'm not willing to crown them Super Bowl winners out of the AFC yet. Hell, it seems yeah. just as likely the team out of the NFC is going to do it at this point, just based on the fact that they have a much less hard path to go through. If the chiefs aren't winning it, then who is Cody Packers? Oh, a Rod. He got that ayahuasca trip, you know, <laughs> went on his, went on his druggy imagination and it's going to, oh, I guess, propel up. him to the Super Bowl. But didn't he do that when he was dating Danica, which was ahead of last season. So shouldn't he have gone to the Super Bowl last well, year? Here's the thing. He says he does it every off season. I'm just thinking it builds really? up immunity slowly over time. <laughs> Nick is our show ayahuasca expert. So I don't want to say <laughs> for sure, but. And we're out of, t- we don't have enough time for me to really <laughs> get into that as deep. Uh, Stay tuned next week. For what's right, worth, Kayla. I think they beat the Cardinals 30 to 21. Kayla, I think I, I had 35 21. Seriously, close. I had that written down. I think they'll take the over and I think we'll cover. I think I know who you're picking to win the Super Bowl, Kayla. <laughs> I have wanted for the last four or five years a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl more than anything. D Ford ruined that a few years back. And then the Ram or then we couldn't get there last year. Just give me a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl. That's all I want. So you think it's Rams and Chiefs? Yep. Does that mean you think they're both in the wild card, or I assume you just think they're winning the AFC West again? We're we're winning the AFC West. How many? I think we're I think we're going thirteen and four, and I can make an argument based on the schedule. Honestly, God, if they're thirteen and four with that schedule, I I am going to change my pick to they're winning the Super Bowl most likely. That's an impossible schedule. (laughs) Okay, so thirteen wins. You have them winning the Super Bowl over the Rams. Nick, are you willing to give a prediction on what you think the Chiefs' record will be in the year twenty twenty two? Uh, new show, new me. So I am going to do my best to play by the rules on this show. I think the Chiefs win. I think it's ugly on Sunday against the Cardinals. But Lower scoring, kind of like the, the Browns yeah, game. I, th- I think the defense struggles. I think I think we <laughs> see growing pain. I think we see lumps for the Chiefs. And for that reason, I think they win this game. But I do have them losing the division. I Ooh. think they. I think this is an 11-6 and six team. Oh no. And it gets them a wild card berth while the Chargers win the division. But I do have the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl because I know in Kansas City it's very easy to sort of 
convince yourself that you're just picking the Chiefs because they're your team and you sort of see everything through rose-colored glasses. But ultimately, they have a large sample size, more than any other team in the AFC, and they've played at such a high level during that sample size that until another team proves that they're going to win at a sustainable pace in that conference, I'm not going to pick against the Chiefs. So if the Chiefs miss the AFC Championship this year, then I'll recalibrate next offseason. But as of right now, it's really tough for me to take any team over a four-month span and say they're going to play better football than Kansas City. So I have the Chiefs going to the Super Bowl and losing to the Packers, just like Cody said. <gasps> oh, wow. So same boat. I would also you take a Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl, by the way. Yeah, don't yeah, make I'm me make a winning prediction. Just let me say the Chiefs win the AFC and we'll leave it at that. We've been robbed of Mahomes-Rogers multiple years. I mean, I did enjoy Jordan Love's mom sitting like, 7,000 rows up at the state. That was enjoyable. That was funny for all <laughs> of us. But I was looking forward to the Mahomes-Rogers game. We got robbed of it a couple of years ago when Patrick Mahomes got hurt after that quarterback sneak. So it's just one of those games that keeps eluding us. Like, you, at least we got Rams-Chiefs, Kayla. We got that game in Mexico City, and it was nuts. And that was Jared Goff. That was in the Matt Stafford Rams. No, it was in L.A., they moved it and oh, I right, was yeah. begging Most people to go with city. me. I was begging people to go with me. Couldn't find anyone to go with me. So I just sat home and watched it and I was so mad. I didn't go. Did you have a ticket? No, but I was, I almost went by myself. I don't that's know. when they that's were like, still playing at the Coliseum. That's like one of the few, I guess it's one of the few things I I'm not willing to do by myself yet. Go to sporting events by myself. Is Same. that is, like everything else, I'll go to dinner by myself. I don't care. I'll have like a nice, like I a can't low lit Italian restaurant, movie, whatever. I don't care. I'll do all that by myself, but I haven't quite crossed the threshold of, I think I'm going to go check out this, <laughs> this baseball game. Just me. Just, just a few minutes to myself. I feel like people think you're crazy. That's why I don't do it. I don't do it. Okay. So we all three have the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but two of us have the Packers winning it and one of us has Wait, the Chiefs you, winning it. Wait, you do? I said I didn't think they'd win this Super Bowl. I didn't say they oh. wouldn't go to it. Oh, oh, yeah. AFC now. now we're backing up. Okay. I, wasn't I, didn't, the prediction. I didn't catch that the first time. Okay. I just said I didn't think they'd win the Super Bowl. I said I think they'll win 12 games. I mm -hmm. think they'll win their division. They will go to the Super Bowl, but they will they go to the AFC title game. All I have to do is pretend they'll win one more game in order to go to the Super Bowl. They're going to the AFC title game no matter what. Like you said, Nick, recalibrate. Well, work out they're not going to the AFC season. title game until. No, but they went to at least that game, and they should have won that game if it was just, I don't know, handled we'll slightly differently. We'll have to check the tape on that prediction. I'm not sure that that's what you said the first time around. We'll check. <laughs> you, play, you play it back. You play it back. I'm writing down all of our record predictions, by the way, and we'll revisit this yeah. in January. Okay, that's fair. Well, I mean, we always claim we'll revisit things, and we so rarely do. But I look forward to revisiting this one. I assure the audience it will definitely happen. There's almost no way that we'll forget about it under any circumstances. Well, that's episode two of It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. We're going to talk to you guys right after the game coming up on Sunday. Enjoy that as well. Thanks, Nick. Thanks to Kayla. We'll talk to you guys in a few days.